At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we step into the new year, we're turning to the book of James for our message series, Live the Truth. In a culture preaching the power of whatever feels right to you, it's time to set aside positive vibes for a truth you can stand on. Join us as we answer James' call to reject the latest feel-good message for a mature faith. We're going to jump right into James this morning. I want to um, uh, get us right there. So if you have your Bible, open it up to James chapter 2. We're uh, concluding our series this morning that we've been in for the last five or four or five weeks uh, about uh, living our faith, um, not just living a life that we want to live, not living a truth that we want to live, but living the truth, uh, living what the gospel says and shows for us. And so we're in James chapter 2 this morning, beginning at verse 14. And if you would uh, open that up and stand with me, let me read uh, this passage for us, and then we'll pray again. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body... What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, and you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that said Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. He was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for your word. We want to live in light of who you are and what you say for us. We want to be people that have true faith. That faith is seen. So help us this morning, Lord, as we wrestle with the nature of true faith and we we seek to have our hearts exposed and revealed so that we in saying that we believe would truly live and follow you and thank you for your son thank you for the spirit that you've sent to teach us your word and so we ask him now we ask you spirit of god teach us help us to follow you and to listen and to receive the word of life and so give us grace now we pray this in jesus name amen I'm jumping right in today. I want to make sure that we have plenty of time to handle what uh, James here has to deal with. He's been occupied with talking about our faith, and, and particularly as we've looked over the last four weeks, how our faith becomes mature, complete, whole. How does our faith truly, as James put it, lacks nothing? What does that really look like for us? And if, if you haven't been able to be with us over the last four weeks, I want to encourage you to go back uh, on our, our sermon podcast. You can find that. Just search and 
whatever podcast app you use, search for Woodside Plymouth, and you can get those messages from weeks prior about living the truth uh, there. But, but James, in dealing with this and, and helping us to see what does it mean to have a faith that's mature and complete, he wants to ask this morning from the text a more fundamental question. Maybe a question that, that we should have started with all to begin with, but, but James has it here in the middle of chapter 2. And the question is this, what is real faith? What does genuine faith truly look like? How do we know our faith is real? If you're just to do a self-diagnostic and to assess, how do you know your faith is genuine, it's actual, it's real? What would, what would come up? How would you know that to be the case? Well, it's well known that one of the most significant threats to our economic system in our country is counterfeit currency. We have a whole uh, arm of our, our government that helps uh, deal with counterfeit currency and makes it an important part of their mission to, to, to fend off counterfeiters and fakes. Uh, I know you and I don't think about it too much when we, when we pull out a $20 bill and we go, is it, is it real or not? Because we usually just hand it over and the person who receives it in the transaction, they look at it maybe for a second or two and then into the cash register it goes and whatever we bought, we bought. We get that in exchange. Uh, but, but part of the United States Secret Service mission, this is on their mission statement, is to, and I quote, protect the integrity of our currency and investigate crimes against the U.S. financial system committed by criminals around the world and in cyberspace. I mean, think about it. The Secret Service, you thought they had one mission, you know, protect the president and be his bodyguards. But think about the other agents that sit around and find cryptocurrencies that are fake and fake money. I mean, we've got the accountants and we've got the, the bodyguards, right? Sorry if you're an accountant. I don't mean to make, you, uh, make a joke of you, but there it is, right? That's part of the mission of the U.S. Secret Service. It's this making sure that our currency is legitimate. They've even produced a document. You can go down to the Secret Service website. Yeah, they have a website. I don't know why Secret Service have websites, but they do. You can go on it, and you can download this, uh, this PDF called Know Your Money. It has all kinds of information and visual clues about here's what makes a 20 to $20 bill or any uh, one of our notes, uh, real legitimate currency, the color of ink that's used, the way that it reflects, there's a band uh, that only can be illuminated by certain things, or certain lights um, that shows it's real. All this sort of stuff you can go and download and find, is my money real or fake? Um, and, uh, you know, report it if you have fake money there. <laughs> but but the, part of the Secret Service's mission is to know what's real and what's fake. So I come back to my original question, what about us? What about our own lives? What about our faith that we say is genuine and real? Is it truly that? I, I press the question home to you. Is your faith real? And how would you know? How would you know that? In, in my final message here on James's letter uh, for us this week, I'd like for us to listen to James's words carefully. I'd like for us to do kind of an uh, at-home test, if you will, to examine our hearts and to see if our faith is truly genuine. Does the faith we espouse, does what we say we believe really have true anchor and depth in our lives? Is it, is it genuine faith? And as we ask that question, do we have real faith? I want to answer it with the sermon and the sentence this morning. It's this, that James would tell us this, that genuine faith is revealed through our actions. The validity of your faith, the, the the integrity of your faith, the genuineness of your faith is revealed through what you do. It's exposed, it's seen, it's shown in, in how you live. James wants to take us to two realities about faith 
and about how we know if our faith is truly genuine this morning. And it's one coin here this morning. It's, it's got two sides. One's a negative side, one's a positive side. But in this, we'll see and we'll be able to examine our own lives and, and answer the question for ourselves, is my faith real? Is what I say I believe truly working itself out in my life? Genuine faith is revealed through our actions. So let's look at the negative side of this first. James starts with this reality, that faith without actions... Faith without works is dead. Faith without works, he says this in verse 17, faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. James starts with this by by laying out kind of a a conundrum. Verse 14, what good is it? Does it have any profit? Is there any benefit? Does it work really in life in any way? My brothers and sisters, if someone says, now he's got somebody in mind, maybe he's heard this around the church, maybe there was a small group that was having a conversation about the nature of the gospel, and and they say this, this is the, the word that comes out. Someone says, I have faith, but I don't have works. Don't need works. Just, just believe, no works, nothing to do there. Just, I've got faith, no works at all. James asks the question rhetorically in verse 14, can that faith save him? Or in other words, is that faith genuine? Is it real? Is it true faith? And his answer that he's, he's going to bring out, the answer that he supposes in this rhetorical question is no. It's not real faith. You, you can't have faith apart from works. And he sets up the contrast in, in an illustration in verses 15 and 16. He says, Imagine this, a brother or sister is poorly clothed, lacking in daily food, and and they come and they say, go, they come in and one of us says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? It's useless, right? Now you might want to stop me here and just say, like, well, what does James mean when he talks about faith? What does he mean when he talks about work? So let's define these two terms here. For For James here and what he's talking about when it comes to faith, this is is how we would define it. Faith is that confident belief and trust in God as the creator and savior and a dependence on him for all things. Or to say it simply, faith in God believes that he exists, believes that he is the one who rescues us from our sins, and we bank our entire life on him. It depends on him for all things. It, It believes his promises, believes his word, Faith believes his word, and it trusts him completely. It says, all my life is in your hands. That's how we would define faith. What about works? How would we define works? Works are our actions or our deeds that display our faith. There are our actions or our deeds that we display and reveal obedience to God's word in action towards him and towards others. One New Testament scholar, Scott McKnight, he, he says it this way. For James, works means a life of loving God and loving others. And loving others in his context means deeds of compassion towards those in need. Remember, James has been driving this home in the first two chapters of this letter. We need to be people who give our best, who care deeply for the, the people of this society and world that are underfoot, that are downtrodden, that are the, the orphans and the widows from A to Z, those people that, that are marginalized and can't be cared for uh, by themselves. This is the compassionate works that James is talking about. So faith, our dependence and trust in the Lord completely for all things because of what he's done for us in Christ. Our works are our actions or our behaviors that reveal our love for the Lord and our love for other people, specifically those in need. 
Now, I point this out as we start to think about this, what relationship do faith and works have? I point out this morning that we observed the Lord's Supper first this morning. Before we came to the sermon, I was very intentional about saying, let's observe the Supper. Let's remember that we are saved by Jesus' works, first and foremost. That we are rescued by his grace, by his works on our behalf. And our faith is in him. Our trust and our hope is in what Jesus has accomplished for us. And for all those who place their faith and trust in Jesus and his works alone, now a new life begins to emerge. Now something radical happens to become of us. There's some works that go along with our faith. We trust Jesus, and now, as James is asking, what is it doing? Is our faith really at work in our lives? So we have faith and we have works. Our faith, our dependence in God, our works, our practical actions and behaviors of love towards God and towards others, particularly in compassion to those who are in need. The question is, are those, should those things be separated? Is faith without works really alive? And again, the illustration just think about this, this moment here and, and put it in your mind. It's rather extreme, but yet it, I think it portrays the reality of it. Uh, Charles Schultz, the uh, famous cartoonist, Charlie Brown, Snoopy, the Peanuts car- cartoon, he, he caught this and he got it really well. He drew this uh, Peanuts cartoon with Linus and Charlie Brown. There it is on the screen. And, and you have there Linus, biblical Linus. Remember, Linus is the guy that shows up at Christmas and he gets the gospel right. He tells the story of Christmas perfectly. There he is with Charlie Brown and they see poor, cold, frozen Snoopy, the beagle, just, just shivering his tail off. And Linus says, oh, maybe we, maybe we better go over and comfort him. Let's go comfort that poor dog. And so then Charlie Brown and Linus, and I love how Schultz drew this, stand right over him. I mean, nose, uh, looking down their nose at him. And then, and then they say and pronounce to that poor dog, be of good cheer, Snoopy. Yes, also be of, be of good cheer. And then they walk off. Snoopy is still confused. He didn't get any warmth. They didn't bring him inside. No coat, jacket for him. Just question mark above his head. What was that? That's the kind of faith that James says is dead. Those among us need, have need, are cold, they're empty, have nothing. And we walk around them, we stand above them, we look down our nose at them, and we, we say, peace be with you, be blessed, be warm, be filled. And we do nothing. We don't give them the things needed for the body. What good is that? James has asked this question, what good is that? Twice now, verse 14, and now at the end of 16. That faith without works, that faith that has no works, it's useless. It's no good at all. So he concludes in verse 17. Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. James is moving us. He's, he's motivating us to see that if we profess the Lord Jesus with our mouth, it means it translates into a life that we live in accordance with what we believe, that there are true Christian actions that reveal from our heart that we believe the goodness of what Jesus has done for us. If you say you have faith, but there is no content to your faith, no working out of your faith in practical, real, tactile love and service of your fellow human beings in worship to God, it's dead faith, absolutely dead. It's not genuine faith at all. What good is it? Nothing. Nothing at all. The reality of this is our big idea. Genuine faith is revealed through our actions. So faith without works, without a behavior of loving God and loving others, 
Indeed, it's not real faith at all. It's useless. It's dead. But let's flip the coin over here. Faith without works is dead, so what is, what is it on the positive side? What's the second reality here? And that is that faith with actions is alive. So, so let's move from just looking at what dead faith is to saying, okay, what does real living faith look like? Let's go back to James's discussion here. And James has in mind some folks in his church that would argue it another way. Maybe they're the, the theologically erudite. They're the ones that, uh, well, I'll put it like this. I used to go to a, a pastor's conference in Southern California every year. And inevitably, during some point in the conference, they would have a Q&A session with all the keynote speakers and, and the pastors that were speaking there. Uh, in that. And there was always somebody, like, they'd just have a lineup to a microphone, and some guys would come up and they'd ask their questions. But there's always somebody in the audience that was like, hey, I don't have a question I have a thing to say. And so they'd ramble on for about five minutes, some convoluted statements, and they'd start thinking through, you know, just this different discourse. And then they'd get to some sort of buried question in there, all in an attempt to stump the pastor who was on the stage, whoever was, they were asking the question uh, towards. They, they were always kind of pr- trying to prove that they were the smartest person in the room. James has that guy in that church too, right? Like there's somebody who's showing up and they're just going to try and stump everybody. Let's stump the pastor. Let's create a division that's not there. And that's what they do. James, James brings this person out in verse 18. I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation because I think it helps clarify the grammar that's a little difficult here uh, in verse 18 uh, for us. James says this, Now someone may argue, some people have faith and other people may have good deeds. So they just split it down the line. Okay, here's the, here's the good deeds people, and some people do that. They're people of good practice. They, they're loving their neighbors. They're serving. They're compassionate. They're giving. Let's put them over there. And then over here we have the people that are the believers. They just they, they, they think, they read, they study, they get all the doctrine right, but they believe, and they're over here. James says that we've got two categories, right? We can have both sides of it, right? They can be separated. James's answer is no, that's not the case. And it's true. You cannot just have faith, so to speak. You can't just say you believe and not have any actions to go along with your belief. There's a heresy running around the church today that says it doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter what you do. You, all you have to do is just to get out of hell free card to say you believe in Jesus. And that's enough. That's all you have. I just believe in Jesus, and you can live however you want. They twist the scripture that says, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. And they say, all that's required to be saved is a profession of faith. You raise your hand, you walk down an aisle, you just say you believe in Jesus, but there's no life that has to be changed. No works that display your faith. And that's wrong. Jesus, isn't, he didn't only come to be your Savior, he came to be your Lord. The two go hand in hand. We trust him to save us. We trust him and we follow him as our Lord as well. So James's answer is very cl- clear and careful here for these folks that are like, well, there's the works camp and there's the faith camp. We can just separate those out. James says this, again, the New Living Translation, verse 18. He says, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith, James says, by my good deeds. Like you can't say you have faith if the, you can't show your faith if there's nothing to show, your faith isn't revealed except by your actions, by your works. Genuine faith is revealed through our actions. This is where it shows up. So the person who says, well, just believe it, but there's no actions, like, no, you're not showing any faith at all. You're just saying a bunch of words. You can't show faith unless it bleeds over into your behavior, into your lifestyle, into the way you treat 
other people. James here points out the error of thinking that just doctrinal affirmation is necessary. Look with me at verse 19. He says, you believe that God is one. Good. You do well. So James, here very clearly, James is not against theology. James is not against study. He is not against being precise with the word of God and knowing clearly what scripture teaches. He is not against that at all. In fact, he quotes Deuteronomy 6.4, the, the Hebrew Shema. Listen, this is what the Jewish people repeated day after day after day. And it's a doctrinal statement. The Lord, the Lord our God is one. They're proclaiming and ascribing the oneness of the living God, his unity and simplicity. And James says, you say that? You believe that? Good. You do well in that. But don't just think it stops there. Because you can say the right doctrines, but the demons believe that. They affirm that doctrine. And they shudder. The spiritual realm of darkness has a better grasp of theological truth than we do. And their grasp of truth alone is not sufficient. Just let that sink down in your mind for a second. The demons believe. They have better theology. And they shudder. Doctrine alone doesn't save you. I don't care how many books you've read or how many systematic theologies you know. James calls us to a faith that's alive and works and so he kind of mocks us. He says in verse 20, do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that a faith apart from works is useless? Or uh, he plays on words here. Do you want to be shown, dummies, <laughs> that your faith apart from works doesn't work? He's like, I'm going to show you this. He gives a couple of examples. Once again, James is telling the story and he's helping us connect with these things. Two examples here and they're polar opposites. He's got faithful Abraham a father of faith, a righteous man on one hand, and he has the prostitute Rahab on the other. How are they reconciled to God? How are they saved? How does their faith show up? Well, let's, let's look at Abraham. He says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? It takes us back to Genesis chapter 22. He says, let's think about Abraham for just a second. You remember the story? God came to Abraham and he said to him, take your son, this is Genesis 22, 2, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. He commands Abraham, sacrifice Isaac. Give him up. I'll direct you. I'll lead you. And what does Abraham do? He hears the word of God. He believes it. And he obeys it. He bundles up the donkey, he gets the firewood out, he gets Isaac, hey boy, come on, let's go, we're going to go to Moriah, we're going to sacrifice to the Lord. Okay, and they head out. But don't think that Abraham's actions were apart from his faith, nor think, do you, should you think that his faith was apart from his actions. They were working together. Abraham did it, but he did it from his faith. His faith in God led to righteous actions in congruence with his faith. So they're walking along, they're getting up to the mountain, and Isaac is really confused. He's like, okay, what do we need for a sacrifice? We've got fire, we've got wood, we need animal, where's that? You know? And so he asks his dad, he says, Father, where's the lamb? Abraham's response, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. Now, doesn't that sound like faith? Abraham is saying, God will provide for himself. I'll trust him. He's going to provide a lamb. I don't know where it'll come from. I don't know how. All I'm called to is to obey him and to follow him. His actions, his works were verification proof of what he really believed. He believed he could trust God. 
He believed he could depend on God. And so he acted in accordance with that, in obedience to God's word. James explains it this way in James 2.22 here. He says, you see that faith was active. It was working along with his works. Faith was working with his works and faith was completed or made mature or, or perfected by his works. The same faith that James says that he calls us to in a growing, maturing, completing faith is the faith that we see displayed by Abraham. Faith was completed by his works. And the scriptures were fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Now here's a definition of what that faith, that true faith really looked like. Trust in God. True faith is trust in God that is active. It goes to work. And it is filled up, it is completed, it is made mature by its works. Abraham's faith proved to be genuine, so his justification was genuine. His works accompanied his faith. Now notice, you might say, okay, well, is that, is that the order here? Like Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? I want you to note that that was not said of Abraham after he had obeyed God and prepared to sacrifice Isaac. That statement was made about Abraham way back when, when Isaac wasn't even born. God brought him out in the dark of the night. He showed him the stars in the sky. He showed him the sand of the shore. And he said, your children will be multiplied and be like the stars in the sky and the sand on the ground. And Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. We start with faith. But our faith always works. It believes God. And Abraham's story is that of believing God and it working out in his life. Believing God and obeying God. Through the ups and the downs, he didn't do it perfectly, but he trusted more and more and more till we come to the pinnacle moment where God says something absolutely ridiculous. Go sacrifice your son. And Abraham's like, I trust God. Okay, let's go. God's going to provide the lamb. And God does it. Abraham's faith was seen in its works. Let's, let's take another example, Rahab. This is on the other end of the spectrum, verse 25. In the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute. So Abraham, saint, <laughs> Rahab, sinner. <laughs> Opposite ends of the spectrum here. Not faithful father Abraham, but a prostitute. And so James brings both sides here to help us see that this works for everyone. This is true for all of us. She was justified, the prostitute was justified by her works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. Again, her works were informed by her faith. She believed God and she followed up in accordance with his word. The spies came in to Jericho. They were from Israel, sent to check out the land and see two of them. And, and she tells them, she brings them into safety in her home and protects them. And she says to them, we've heard of Yahweh. We've heard of the Lord and what he did in Egypt and how he has been with you. And we're fearful and we shudder. And so she says, I'm protecting you because I believe God. I believe your God and I trust him. And she gave hospitality and harbor to those men and then sent them away in safety. Her faith in the word of God and who God is revealed itself through her actions. She was justified by her works in that way. And so now James comes to the, the point that maybe feels a little theologically tricky Verse 24, so you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Now, some of you might be like, wait a second, wasn't the entire Protestant Reformation built around the doctrine that we are saved by God's grace, in uh, grace alone, in Christ alone, 
which we receive by faith alone. And I'll say, yes, that was the entire Protestant Reformation in the 16th century. And you'd say, Jeremy, isn't the gospel message that you preach week after week that we are not saved by our works, but we are saved by faith alone? Yes, that's what I preach. That's what I proclaim. Scripture is not contradicting itself. James does not have a different gospel than, say, Jesus or Paul. No, the scriptures are clear and consistent. And so I want to encourage you, don't read the, the Protestant Reformation into this text, but see that James is saying something that the Bible elsewhere affirms as whole. Verse 26 makes this really clear. We're... For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. That is to say, if your spirit leaves your body, we're putting your body six feet under. If there's no, faith, if there's no works to go along with your faith, your faith isn't living either. We must believe the gospel, believe the good news that Jesus has lived for us, died for us, and was raised to life again. And that belief reveals itself, it works itself out by our actions, by our behavior, our works. Believe the gospel good news and obey the gospel. So let me let one of the reformers, John Calvin, particularly speak about this very clearly in one of his essays. He said, I wish the reader to understand this, that as often as we mention faith alone in this question, we're not thinking of a dead faith, which worketh not by love, but we, hold, but we are holding faith to be the only cause of justification. It is therefore faith alone which justifies, and yet faith which justifies is not alone. Just as it is the heat alone of the sun which warms the earth, and yet in the sun it is not alone, because it is constantly conjoined with light. True faith is always accompanied by and displayed as genuine through our good works. Friends, you cannot have true faith without works. So that, that leads us to a very important question. If you say you believe, if you say you have faith, is it revealed, is it seen in how you live? Christian, if there isn't a tangible, expressly lived out love for God and practical love for others, let me just say it this way, I, I'm not sure you have real faith. Your doctrine may be precise. You may have memorized a ton of Bible verses. But if there's not real action, you have a dead faith. You can't say you believe the gospel and then not live in newness of life and have no good fruit, bear no good fruit, no good works. We as Christians, by necessity of saying we have faith, must be the best people of good works. In James's context here, that is once again caring for the poor and the needy and the broken and the abused and the marginalized and the alienated, the orphan, the stranger, the immigrant, regardless of their legal status, the refugee and the widow. We are to care and be people of love and compassion for all people. Christians should excel in doing the most good. Let me give us one practical application of this, one way that we can tangibly put our faith to work. Ryan mentioned this in the opportunities. It's through these winter care kits this winter. Uh, we have this, uh, there's this insert in your bulletin. We want to take and fill up as many as we can. We have 75 here at our campus this weekend. We want to fill up as many of these care kits as we can with the things listed on this card. So if you grab one of those bags after the service, make sure that you put all of this stuff in that bag. We're going to fill these up by God's grace, bring them back in two weeks, and we're going to send them over to our Warren campus that has a specific ministry to the homeless, the poor, and impoverished who need these items right now in this season immediately. So we're going to fill them up, bring them back, 
send them off to our church family in Warren to distribute and hand out. And just a very practical way of saying, yes, I believe the good news. Yes, I'm going to practically put it to work by my obedience, by trusting in the Lord and depending on him. And so uh, look at this card if you, uh, if you need more information about that. Uh, grab one of those bags or as many as you'd like and fill them up and bring them back. And we're going to deploy these in faith and in love towards people in need uh, through our church. Otherwise, who cares what we say we believe? Who cares what the doctrinal statement is or what creed we profess? If our faith doesn't have action, and the action being revealed in love, it's a fake. It's like bad money. It's useless. It gets us nowhere. Genuine faith is revealed through our actions. So brothers and sisters, let me ask you again. Look at your actions. Look at your life. Does it reveal you believe? Or does it reveal that you're just holding on to empty doctrines that haven't hit your heart? The truth of God's grace and his word must go from our mind to our heart and out through our hands and feet to a world that is needy and broken. We are, as Jesus said, a light set on a hill, so let your light shine. Let the world see your good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org forward slash connect to introduce yourself to us today.